At Hodder Education, we know that every geography classroom need is different, which is why we have developed a wide range of print and digital Key Stage 3, GCSE and A-level geography resources, written by the experts that you know and trust. Whether it's the award-winning Progress in Geography, Key Stage 3 online bank of resources, or our brand new set of My Revision Notes, written specifically for the exam board you deliver, we have the right set of resources to support your students. Visit www.hoddereducation.co.uk forward slash geography today to explore more. Hello there and welcome to another job pod. Today our special guest is Shinona Mitra. Um, Shinoni, you're Vice Chair and Communications Officer of the Youth Climate Ambassadors for Wales, and you're also a climate activist. So I can't think of a more pertinent time to be chatting to you, given the ending of COP26, than now. So welcome to JogPod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, I'm going to say this, but it, it puts me in a bad light. You, you achieved 10 A stars at GCSE. <laughs> Three A stars at A level, and now you're studying medicine at King's College London, and you're currently in your first year. So, part of the question I'm going to ask, because I think, I think that should have taken up nearly all of your time, is how you managed to fit in such a tremendous amount of work with Youth Climate Ambassadors for Wales. And, and I know as well, you were on a panel for the Swansea Fair Trade Forum, mm-hmm. the Environment Centre, and that was Climate Justice for a Fairer World. But there's so much to what you're doing and you're only 18. <laughs> so I wonder, first of all, if you just talk us through how you got to becoming a, a youth activist. Yeah, um, I think it still sounds a bit funny if someone tells me, you know, you're an activist, because to me, this doesn't it doesn't really feel like work. It feels like something that I should be doing, um, you know, that I'm passionate about. So I became a climate activist through um, a mock cop, which I think we'll talk a bit more about later. Um, but yeah, I went to a mock cop with my school um, and I found that I just really loved being in that environment, you know, being with people who have, you know, similar values, similar goals, or fighting towards, you know, achieving climate activism. So that's how I got there. And to be honest, I couldn't tell you how we got to where we are. I think, you know, my group is amazing. The Youth Climate Ambassadors for Wales, we have incredible facilitators um so really I think it's just the passion that drives us to where we are and yeah I fit it in just by doing you know little things here and there um it, honestly it's it's difficult and it's stressful but I wouldn't say it feels like work because it feels you know it feels worthwhile so I think that's that's how I got to where I am what's awakened that passion what was it something that's happened in school was it something that happened out of school? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that there was one, you know, like pinpoint moment. I think it would be an accumulation of seeing everything that's going around, you know, even conversations that I was having with other people. So when you start talking about how it's affecting nature, if you can see that the weather's changing. Um, so it started like that. I think what really got me into it at first was um, the wildlife crisis. Um, I think all children are passionate about animals, you know, little fluffy things. Um, So that's what got me into it. And then as I started learning, I didn't even, I didn't really go to Mock Cop with a goal of becoming a climate activist. I didn't even think that was an option. 
but as I got into it, I started learning more and more about climate change and about the climate crisis, about how it's affecting people. Um, and I think it's almost that learning curve that is, you know, keeping me on this like climate activism journey. Was it the MOCOP then that, that got you to think about Youth Climate Ambassadors to Wales? Was that yeah. the way into that? So it was actually the MOCOP um, that was where YCA was formed. So we weren't, we're a youth formed organisation. So at that MOCOP, um, it wasn't a group yet. So Size of Wales and the um, Welsh Centre for International Affairs actually formed um, the MOCOP. And then from then they took applications from young people who, um, so obviously I was one of them. <laughs> and then we applied, we did um, kind of like, a little starter session and we got to pick how we wanted the group to work and then from then we've just been doing fortnightly week meetings we've been building up um you know links building up how we want to work and that's actually how it formed so it all like sparked from young people I guess the youth climate ambassadors for Wales are facilitated by size of Wales and the Welsh Centre for International Affairs um so we're kind of yeah they're kind of a parent group so they um, will supervise us they'll you know they kind of organize things but they're very adamant about youth empowerment and about it being youth-led so we make all the decisions we um you know we have a chair and a vice chair and we have all those roles so yeah so they're our supervisors and then we do separate work the youth climate ambassadors for wales are a group of 15 13 to 25 year olds um, and we have an overall aim to amplify the youth voice and to create accessible climate action on all levels um, with an overarching goal of achieving climate justice. So we have a core group of 15 members. And then we also um, recently started a consultation group, which is a wider group of um, young people from all across Wales. And um, they input in, into our decisions, you know, give feedback. So, yeah, it's like a, a nice little group of, of young people from all backgrounds. I want to come back to climate justice because I think that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's a key term, but I, I want to come back to that later. How do people, if I'm a teacher then, so mm -hmm. perhaps I, I think mm, I'm, I'm going to be involved in a COP. I, I imagine that they'll continue given that we're going to be coming back in, well, <laughs> the governments are going to be coming back mm -hmm. in the first time. So there are two questions here then. How do I get involved as a teacher so that I can involve my students in this and how do students get picked so you've said from 13 to 25 year olds mm -hmm. so we're talking of, uh, of quite young students yeah either putting themselves forward or being put forward by teachers yeah so the mock cop in itself is run by size of Wales and WCIA and um, if you go onto their website there's something where schools can register so it's in delegations you know kind of how the real cop works it'll be in delegations of three people um, and your school can put forward as, as many as you'd like. I'm not entirely sure what the process is because um, obviously my teacher did it, um, <laughs> but I believe there is, yeah, like an application process. And then when I did it, we had a regional mock cop, um, which was in Carnarvon. And then we went to a final mock cop in Cardiff. So that's kind of how it works. As a teacher, you can put forward your students um, and then they'll go to these. I think right now it's online, but when I did it, it was in person. Hopefully, you know, it can get there again. Um, but yeah, so you do that, um, the mock cop. And then in, to get involved with YCA, 
So there's multiple ways you can get involved. In terms of actually joining the group, we're not taking applications um, until next year. But, you know, we're really open to inputs, you know, messages, emails, you can do all of that. Um, and I think as a teacher, the most important thing that we feel is that you just stay engaged with your students. Um, I think it's, like you said, we're quite a young group. I think it's even more important to engage the youngest of people um, because I think that's where the passion comes from and they have really good ideas, young people. So I think, yeah, as a teacher, it would be just to involve your students as much as possible. Um, and also I think what's really important is like leading by example. So, you know, in, involving the school in recycling initiatives or campaigns. And we actually have a mailing list, YCA itself, that whenever we do things, we send it out to schools. So yeah, there's tons of ways that people can be involved. I've got a quote of yours here, which I'm gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> you said, for quite a long time, the youth voice has been overlooked. The youth voice is extremely important. Not only do we bring a new perspective, but I believe we're also a lot more engaged than people would believe. Yes. Do you, do you think that the youth voice is still being overlooked? Um, yes, I would say so. I don't think it's being overlooked in the same way as much. I think people definitely know that, that the youth movement is a huge force and a force to be reckoned with. But I think... Um, especially when I went to COP, it, I could feel it more that we're being overlooked in a term of, in ways that we're not actually involved in decision-making. The voting age is, is still 18 in the UK. Um, in other countries, it's higher. So we may be heard, but I, we're not quite actively listened to or involved in the decision-making itself, which I think is where the, the overlooking comes from. So I think people can see us more now, but I don't. I still don't think we're being listened to. No, I, th I think I'd agree with you at times. And I think there's some rather unpleasant things have been said about people like Greta Thunberg mm -hmm. in the press and by yeah. certain, certain individuals on social media. And I, I think that's, she seems to be able to cope really well with that, but I think that's quite difficult. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you think. Yeah, definitely. I think something that is really difficult is that it can almost feel like there's a lot of pressure on you as a youth activist. Um, and something that someone said at a side event at COP, which really resonated with me and my fellow members, is that it's actually not young people's responsibility to fix the climate crisis, you know, because we didn't, we didn't cause it. And yes, it's amazing that we're passionate about it. And we do bring new perspectives and we bring ideas but it shouldn't be on our shoulders to fix everything. So I do think it's quite unfair that youth activists are scrutinised or said that they're not doing enough or said that they're not doing it in the right way because we're actually, you know, for a lot of us, it's not our job. and um, We're just doing it out of, you know, passion, out of a, just with a goal to do better for everyone. So, yeah, I think it can be really difficult. And activism burnout is definitely a thing, you know, the, especially like when we do events or when we're doing campaigns. And oh, my gosh, especially at COP, it was such a thing. It gets very tiring. Um, and for young people, I think it can be a lot to know so much um, to be aware of everything. So, yeah, it's definitely challenging. <laughs> I think the term act activist as well can be a difficult one. Yeah. We have a vision of... Um, I think of people lying in the lying on the M25, for instance, 
And you mentioned just small steps, like making sure that the, the school is recycling properly. So what would your definition, how wide is your definition of activism? Yeah, I think I think my definition is is really wide. I think there's activism comes in all forms. So you do have, you know, people who would prefer to go on strikes or people who would prefer to put themselves on the M5. Um, and then you have our group, you know, we do more work with governments, we do events, we do things with schools. And then you have activism, which is, you know, self-led, which is individual, which would be the recycling or talking to your friends or writing to your MP. I think, I think that's almost the most important part of activism, that everyone can do it. Um, you don't have to be, you know, at COP or on a stage to be an activist. You do it in all shapes and forms and they're all equally as important. We need everyone in, in the fight to climate justice or climate action. So yeah, I think climate activism is a broad like spectrum, but all of it is important. It'd be interesting, given that it's only just finished, I think, to, mm -hmm. to unpick what's been achieved at COP26, <clears throat> what you feel, because there's a lot of words written now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from it's an utter disaster to know it was a success. Mm. Um, it, it's interesting to, to think about what remains to be done and, how you feel about the success or otherwise of what mm -hmm. happened. Yeah, well, like you, I think there are a lot of words. <laughs> and even being at COP, I still don't quite understand what happened. But I think it's difficult. I wouldn't say that COP itself has made me very hopeful. I think I agree with people when they said that the outcomes have been quite underwhelming, especially because we, I think we put a lot of pressure on this particular conference obviously because we are running out of time I think everyone knows that at this point yeah in terms of the I think the most difficult thing that happened that has come out of COP is that they are not actual actions they're just pledges we've been saying especially the youth activists we've been saying this whole time that we don't want any more empty promises but it does feel like that's what's come out of it a bit so yeah so I think there are good things and there are not so good things so the fact that they are talking about a phase down from coal and fossil fuel is great. And the fact that they're going to revisit their commitments in 2022, that's also great. But I think it's the lack of actual actions and actual specifics that is concerning. So, yeah, it would be great to see now individual countries, individual nations taking it into their own hands to make legal actions, to make specific things. And especially in terms of financial aid, we saw a lot of scapegoating, a lot of blaming happening at COP. And I think in order to combat the climate crisis, that needs to stop. So I'm, I'm definitely concerned, but I'm also, you know, excited and hopeful to see what happens next. I think given that they're coming back in a year's time, that might address that key. I think that's a key point that you made about pledges by 2030, by 2050, we will. And that could mean that there's no activity, no activity, no activity until mm -hmm. six months before the deadline. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so pledges don't necessarily mean anything. Mm -hmm. But you also commented about, um, you've done it twice now, about climate justice. And I, I was reading Patricia Espinosa's comments on climate justice. So I'd, I'd like just your definition. What's its climate justice mean? And how, if I'm a teacher and I come across this term, how important is it for me to help young people to be aware of the turbulence implications? So to me, climate justice 
kind of addresses all the other human right ethical issues that go alongside with climate change. So I've learned that climate change kind of exacerbates all the other issues in the world. So whether that be human rights issues or social issues, even feminism, it all is kind of underlying. So I think climate justice would be to me, like achieving climate justice would be when we make policies about climate change, when we have these discussions, negotiations, they're fair for everyone and they involve everyone. And in terms of how important it is, I do think it's extremely important. I think it almost becomes like counterproductive when we talk about climate change as its own thing, because it's not its own thing. It will affect everyone and every aspect of life. So in terms of young people, you know, as a teacher, I think it is important to engage young people. I think it's difficult to do it in terms of in a way that you're not scaring everyone. But I think it is important to just make students or young people aware that it's happening and in ways that they can help. I think, yeah, I think when people, when more people become aware, it becomes easier to tackle. So I think just teaching young people about social issues, about how climate change will affect the global south more than the global north or how it affects indigenous communities, showing videos, showing films, even, um, you know, getting people in to talk would be amazing. I think that is really important because as as we get more people engaged, it will definitely become easier to solve. Do you think it's it's a concern? We've, I've talked in previous podcasts about eco-anxiety mm. and to avoid that, and you just said that about making people anxious. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you've got somebody like the Prime Minister of Barbados saying for us, two degrees is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And at the moment from COP, the 1.5 hasn't been achieved and we're looking at 2.4. So mm-hmm. he's talking of a death sentence. Goodness me, if that <laughs> doesn't create eco-anxiety, particularly mm-hmm. people living in Barbados, I don't know what would. So it's, it's a really difficult path to follow to raise that, the importance of it without frightening people. So mm-hmm. one of the things you've said there is about, about talking it through. Mm-hmm. And you've also talked, well, your aim is to amplify the youth voice so that the youth are informed. And I think one of the one of the terrific things that you're championing is to, to encourage other young people to make impacts everywhere across the globe. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, so firstly, to comment on climate anxiety, I think we do get a lot of people asking us about climate anxiety. And I think it's difficult because it is real and it will be real until we solve the climate crisis there's kind of no way of avoiding it in uh, in some sense we need people to be anxious in order to act so obviously you need to I think as a teacher as well it's important to provide support for students because learning about it will be scary but yeah I think once we work together we and you know if you take breaks and you make sure to take care of yourself climate anxiety is almost the force that pushes you to do work but in terms of how do we hope to aim them to make climate action accessible for young people everywhere and push them to work? I think, um, yeah, I think our main message is the fact that, like I said before, activism comes in all shapes and forms. So we really hope that we can t- you know, show young people that they have a voice and it doesn't matter where, where they are or how they use it, just as long as they have that passion and they know that they have a voice. So obviously, most of our work focuses on Wales. So we do work with the schools, we do events, even our manifesto was driven from an event with young people. So in that way, we try and incorporate as many young people as we can. 
but it's difficult to reach the world. <laughs> um, but we do it through our social media. And I think we also just try to lead by to lead by example, because we are young people and we are working with the government. And I think we're in a really privileged position and we want to use that to help other people. So at COP, you know, we try to learn from as many people as we could. We talk to Indigenous leaders. We talk to people from the global south. And we hope in that way we can almost use our voice to help the young people all over the world. It's interesting because you mentioned the manifesto mm-hmm. and it's it's your own, isn't it? It's a, it's a youth made manifesto. Yeah. So how did that come about? How did you develop that? Yeah. So in July of 2021, a few organisations who so keep Wales tidy, size of Wales and WWF Cymru formed. Uh, they did this Wales Climate and Nature Youth Summit. And there, hundreds of young people came together and they had discussions, they had workshops, and it resulted in these points. And then the Youth Climate Ambassadors took these points and we made a manifesto from it. So it really is youth made, which I think is amazing. (laughs) And is that the group? So that the group of 13 to 25 year olds, it was you that got together to make that manifesto. That was... Yeah. So, yeah. So the young people at that summit came up with the points and then we had a hefty amount of calls. You know, there was some shouting. (laughs) No, but we had discussions and yeah, we made this manifesto and we kind of did it in a way of how can we represent the youth voice the best and how can we make points that will actually be achieved. Um, So, yeah, we made the manifesto. Well, it's excellent. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I know what it's like just working in a school trying to get anything really <laughs> like herding cats. You'd also do a lot of work with, with businesses and schools mm-hmm. in Wales. So the other thing that would interest me, so I'm a teacher now in Wales, how have, how have you engaged schools uh, with what Youth Climate Ambassadors do? And, and how might I work with you as a teacher? So we started off at the beginning. So we've been running for about 18 months now. And at the beginning, we knew that we wanted to work with schools and businesses. So we started doing um, kind of one-on-one workshops with them. We would make action plans and we'd help them along their climate action journey. We did find that that was a bit difficult, though. You can't work with as many if you're doing one-to-one. So we've started forming a booklet for schools and another one for businesses, which we hope will contain all the information necessary, our guidance, how to get involved. So can definitely look out for that (laughs) but also just in terms of getting involved we have um I would say we have a lot of resources out there so our social media has campaigns and if you want to it'd be amazing to spread that with your students and in general yeah so you can like I said we have a mailing list so you can contact us to be on that if you're not already but I think just you know even showing our events showing our campaigns to students to show that you know young people have a voice and this is what you can do with it and kind of like I said before working with your students leading by example so we want to urge other people other adults other young people to start working together to empower each other so that would be my advice to engage with your students and show them what they can do and kind of guide them on that journey. Well, that's obviously going to, not necessarily obviously, but hopefully going to work Mm. because you're working with young people in schools. Mm. But I wonder if businesses are a bigger challenge in Wales. Mm -hmm. And have you found it more difficult? And have you encouraged business? How have you encouraged businesses to make changes? 
Yeah, it is definitely harder. I think, especially coming from a youth perspective, there are things that we don't understand about businesses. There are policies that go behind the economics, there's incentives, there's all of that. Um, So I think it is difficult to engage with them. But like I said before, we did do some one-on-one work with small businesses around Wales, around the UK, which was amazing. They were actually very receptive. And we do have our booklet coming out. But I think something that's extremely important that we try to encourage people to remember is that as a consumer, you actually have a lot of power. So it, you know, obviously we want, we are pushing for the most sustainable option to be the most successful but until that happens it is it does help when people think about their options think about what they can change because that will force businesses to do things they can't ignore when people change their consumerism and I think something we've also noticed about businesses is that it's actually really important to speak to the government too because what the government does will impact businesses so we are trying to work with the Welsh government to influence policies to make the sustainable, like I said, to make the sustainable option the most accessible. So it is really difficult to work with businesses, but it's it's really important. I'm going to ask you a really difficult question, I think. (laughs) How do you know that you're being successful? Do you have any success criteria with the businesses? Oh, with businesses specifically? Well, businesses first. Okay. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure you'll be successful with schools because I think with your enthusiasm, that will run. <laughs> so let's talk about businesses first and mm-hmm. then and then I want to come back to the government, actually. Um, that is a difficult question. I don't know if... I think it's something where you have to accept that it will take time. But I think for us, something that is quite rewarding is, like, is when we notice that they're being receptive so when we can tell that they're taking on board what we're saying that they make actions from it that's really amazing but yeah I think I think a a lot of climate activism is just hoping that things are working things take time and it's not always obvious but in terms and you can tell in terms of businesses obviously this isn't our work but you know the fact that they shops are swapping to plastic to paper bags instead of plastic bags or there's been talk about in other countries getting rid of the plastic wrapping on vegetables and fruit. So it's little things like that I would count as a win. <laughs> when you talked about working with the government, mm-hmm. it, you said trying to work with, but you are actually working with. We are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing? Yeah, so we try, yeah, so we engage with the Welsh government as much as possible. So Hopefully you've seen at COP, we spoke with Julie James, the climate minister, and we talked to other MSs and MPs, and they have been amazing. We are really lucky in Wales to have such an engaging government and one that really cares about the youth voice. So we kind of, we speak to them about our manifesto. We promote that a lot. And we also try and form links so that the youth voice is represented at meetings or cross-party conversations. And another, I think, another really important thing that the youth movement is doing and what we do with government is actually just showing that young people care. I think that alone is a force to be reckoned with. The fact that young people are going out of their way to communicate with decision leaders, like decision makers, kind of forces them to see that it's a real issue. And in Wales, we're really lucky to have the Future Generations Commissioner and the Future Generations Act. So we kind of use that as well to make sure that the Welsh government is doing things with future generations in mind. So, yeah, we work with the government. We do. We talk to them. We hold meetings. We've done a lot with Julie 
with Della's jewel as well. So yeah, we push our manifesto and we try and raise the the concern of the youth voice as much as possible. I think it's important. You said that they know that you care. Mm-hmm. It's also important, and this is the work that you're doing, uh, that they're informed because mm-hmm. there's a lot of climate disinformation. I mm-hmm. think if, if people are, are critical about their thinking, mm-hmm. they might be able to see through some of the climate disinformation and, and fog that people disseminate. I, I, I think it is important that people are informed as well as enthused. And I think yeah. that's what you're achieving is is better informing students. Yeah, I would hope so. I think there is a big issue in climate activism with jargon, with words that, with huge articles that nobody really wants or has time to read. Um, So something that we aim to do and that I think a lot of organisations are doing now is trying to make climate information more accessible. So when we do campaigns, we try and make them visually pleasing. We try and do it in a way that everyone can understand because, you know, everyone needs to understand. It's important that everyone is informed. It shouldn't be something that only scientists can understand or only politicians can understand. So, yeah, that is something that we try and do. There are still people peddling, not very many now, but there are still people peddling that uh, it's not human-induced climate change. It's (laughs) (laughs) it's due to the... uh, the, (laughs) Luke Milankovic's relations, um, <laughs> etc., etc. So we did, and and you can get quite pseudo scientific nonsense mm. as well as well pseudo scientific as well as people who are utterly bonkers. <laughs> I, I think it, it is it is a difficult path for young people to navigate mm. in terms of finding what's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. There's a lot of information out there as well, as you say. There's so much. It's <laughs> huge. Yeah. I think um, as like in terms of that, like I said before, it is important that young people know that it's not their responsibility. We don't want young people to feel this immense pressure, but we do want them to be involved. So I think another amazing way is joining groups. I think if I wasn't in the Youth Climate Ambassadors, I would would be extremely lost. (laughs) I think being around people who share the same goals, share the same values is really, really empowering um, and it helps you navigate your way. So I would encourage young people, while it is really important and that's how you want to do it, amazing as well, you know, doing it individually. But if there are and there should be, you know, youth organisations in your area or nationwide, joining those can be really helpful in navigating your way through the journey and feeling less alone. I was watching a TV programme. It was on last night, actually, and it's not Wales. So this is a slight diversion. (laughs) I am coming back. It was about the Lake District and they were talking. George Monbiot calls the Lake District a sheep wreck. (laughs) It's probably the most deforested well it's not the most deforested but it's hugely deforested Mm -hmm. you think it's natural but actually you look at it and it's it's maintained by nibbling sheep and then they had a sheep farmer on who was concerned about rewilding Mm -hmm. and saying that that's going to lose traditional ways of farming and the way that people look at the land one of the things that I ended up digging into was the size of the Wales website Mm -hmm. and I know it's a separate organization it's sort of like your parent organization mm-hmm. right but there is some significant crossover and I was interested when I found the section that they've got on making Wales a deforestation free nation yes and I wondered what that meant and how you get involved with that 
Yeah, so Size of Wales, of course, is our facilitating organisation and they are an amazing organisation. They work uh, obviously with the deforestation sector. They work with they work overseas in Uganda and Brazil and with indigenous peoples. And yeah, their work is amazing. (laughs) But in terms of the deforestation free nation, they want Wales to eradicate the ways in which it contributes to overseas deforestation. So eliminating all imported goods that cause deforestation in other nations. So that's what deforestation free nation would mean. And it's mainly to do with commodities. So they actually found that for that Wales is deforest is causing deforestation in a, an area 40% the size of Wales, but only for seven commodities. So they're looking to kind of influence policy and they've actually achieved it at COP you know Julie James has now said that they're working towards this which is incredible but yeah we're trying to they're trying to push for that kind of action. That's an interesting one when I was doing some work with teachers on uh, critical thinking mm-hmm. one of the things that came up a lot that teachers were working with was some um, palm oil. Yes. And then when you look at the product that the palm oil's in and think the link to deforestation mm-hmm. Is, is very clear if you if you know but if you if you pick up a product you'd be thinking what on earth has that got to do yeah <laughs> yeah have you done any work with palm oil particularly you were saying about how they're they're working out how to be a, a deforestation nation is it about products as well yeah it's about products um so i wouldn't know about palm oil but they do a lot with soy so yeah the in wales we import or we cause deforestation a lot for soy because that's what our beef and chicken, or well, cows and chicken, will feed on. So they are trying to push for move to sustainable or actually to eradicate soy. There isn't very many sustainable soy options. So that's something I wouldn't know about palm oil, but it's definitely an issue. And like you said, with whether you know or not, it's very difficult to know sometimes. And that's why one of our manifesto points is to make labeling more accessible. But we do also strongly believe that it shouldn't be individuals. There's a lot of guilt tripping, I guess you would call it, on consumers to buy sustainable options. But firstly, sometimes it's really hard to find out. Um, But also those options aren't always accessible. So I think that's where pushing for action really becomes important because it shouldn't be difficult to pick the best option. It should just be the only one there. Well, I think if you live in Wales and you're not a vegetarian, then one of the things you could do is eat Welsh beef mm-hmm. and Welsh lamb. Yeah. Rather than having it imported from somewhere, but beef particularly, because that's the, the issue with soy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, you've mentioned chickens as well, though. I, I, yeah, I chickens feed on soy as well, I think. Aha. You <laughs> I didn't know that. There's another link. They're all over the place in geography. That's the beauty of it and the difficulty. <laughs> You can find linkages all over the place between places, products, people. <laughs> okay, let's, I think we should talk about COP26. We mentioned it at the beginning, but I think you've been working to create quite a number of mock COPs with the WCIA and Size of Wales. Mm-hmm. So can I ask you how many schools have been involved? Yeah, so over the last two years, they've done about six mock COPs and um, they believe that around 60 schools have been involved. And they are really incredible, the mock cops. So like I said before, these kind of ambassadors for Wales were formed from a mock cop. And I think they it was probably one of the most incredible experiences. And it teaches young people, you know, about global citizenship, about climate change. And not only that, but like 
but general skills, you know, negotiating, debating, public speaking. Um, so they are really incredible. Do um, Does one school operate a mock COP or do you get schools together or is it a combination? Yeah, of it's, um, you get schools together. So if I talk from my own personal experience, when I went, I went with two other people from my school in a delegation of three people. And we went to uh, this mock COP that was is organised by Size of Wales and WCIA. And you meet loads of different schools and delegations there. Um, so it's kind of like a, across different schools and you join together to form or like to hold this debate, which is based on the United Nations COP. And each delegation, each school will pose as a country. So when I went, I was chilly. Um, and you um, almost put on a character of this country and you will make negotiations. A country will form resolutions and you'll debate it out um, and you'll meet loads of people. And yeah, that's kind of how it works. How do you get informed about Chile, for instance? Because oh. <laughs> to begin with, you know nothing, I presume. Yeah, it was a lot of Googling, a lot of Googling and then asking other people. Um, my geography teacher helped, but it's definitely, it, I wouldn't say the mock cops are the most factual things, but they definitely start a lot of conversations and they inform you on things. And um, there is a lot on google or on the web on you know websites so that's mainly how people research when they go to mock cops but i think the main goal is just about making people aware and kind of encouraging young people to have these conversations and to develop these skills and to give them you know the empowerment they need to do the kind of activism that they want is there any follow-up so you've done the mock cop mm -hmm. schools have got together and people have had their awareness raised um, and they go away yeah, I think that's why um, Size of Wales and WCIA formed these Climate Ambassadors for Wales, because we want or they wanted a legacy of what the young people can do. So obviously there's us, there's that. <laughs> but in terms of other schools, there are obviously multiple mock cops, so you can do them until you're 18. But I think it is difficult with continue, you know, continuation. But I think the main message I would give is that when you go back, try not to forget everything, you know, use what you learn, use the empowerment that you got to start things yourself. And as a teacher, you know, this would probably be a good place to encourage students, you know, to start eco committees or to join organizations or to teach, you know, the, the kids that didn't go to mock up about things, hold assemblies. So I think it's a really good opportunity to bring what you've learned back into your community. Do you produce resources for that? So I'm because I'm I'm busy. I'm a, I'm a teacher and I'm mm -hmm. slammed under and I've got loads of marking. And my students went away and they come back and now they're on at me. <laughs> Mr. Lion, this was brilliant. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I, you know, God, I, well, I, I'd really like to, but I, I could do with somebody showing me some examples of something. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? Yeah. So. Um, like I said, we are working on the booklet. So when that finishes, that would that will probably be the perfect place to start. Um, so we do That's have campaigns. Good. Yeah, <laughs> we do have the campaigns. We have all our events are recorded as well. So that's something. I know that Size of Wales has a lot of education resources. Um, obviously, I'm not directly involved, but they will have quite a bit on their website. But yeah, I do think it's difficult. Um, you know, even... I'm not a teacher and I found it difficult to find time to learn or, or to you know, teach other people. I think it's important to find 
the time or to find the resources because it's important and I think that's where um, the new curriculum will be really helpful because it should be a part of school anyway and it should be a part of everything not just geography. I'm going to ask you another difficult question now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you measure the success of the mock cops? I I don't think I'd be able to answer that (laughs) because I'm not involved in running them but (laughs) oh when I was there no, I wouldn't say so. We definitely so when I was representing Chile, we had resolutions because we were hold we you know how countries hold mock cops or hold cops. So we were the country that made the resolutions. So in terms of that success, I think it was a success because the countries accepted the resolutions at the end. <laughs> so in that way, I guess there is a success, and I think there's always a sense of you know I won that argument kind of thing. <laughs> But I don't think Mockoff is definitely not a competition. So I wouldn't say there's success in that way. No, I wasn't thinking so much a success in that way. It's a, it's a success that uh, students are coming away feeling informed and positive. Yeah, I definitely think there's that. When I did it about two years ago now, um, but I came back, um, you know, and I would say that was the start of my climate activism journey. You know, it's very, I think it's quite rare that you're put with people who have similar you know values and you're talking about one thing because like you said you know in school there's a lot going on um and for teachers there's a lot going on for students you know you've got exams it's difficult to focus on one thing so mock cop is really like a perfect opportunity to kind of widen your perspective and to talk about you know the climate crisis so in terms of that success i would personally i definitely think it's there i came away feeling very empowered feeling very informed um, and obviously that's what pushed me to apply to become a youth climate ambassador it sounds as though your mock cops are perhaps more successful than the actual event in glenco because <laughs> we I, I said earlier we hoped the agreement would have limited climate change to 1.5 mm-hmm. degrees c and we're still at 2.4 so how are you feeling now about what we have and haven't achieved mm-hmm I think it's difficult. I think a lot of activists right now are feeling, you know, a mix of emotions, especially because I got back from COP less than a week ago. So I'm still very much overwhelmed (laughs) by what happened. But in terms of the thing, the outcomes of COP, like I said before, it does seem a lot like pledges, not actions, um, which is concerning. And especially because we got to work with Indigenous leaders, it's concerning in a sense of, maybe we in Wales won't be as affected, but I know that, or, you know, we know that other places will be. So it is difficult to stay hopeful, but I think that COP started a lot of conversations. I know for myself, I learned a huge amount. I would say that that these past two weeks have been life-changing. So in that way, I'm extremely hopeful. And I was actually, you know, I came out of COP feeling so proud of you know young people of other activists because I think that's that's what will work that's when that's how the change will happen from other activists from people showing their government that they need to act now we I'm obviously you know in Wales we're in a privileged place to be able to do that to be able to communicate with the government so yeah I would definitely say that the outcomes are were underwhelming but I think that now they're there it's time to act on them so I'm hoping the governments take it into their own hands to make real actions from this and you know to help 
the other you know the countries that need it the most as well I'm glad you're hopeful that <laughs> me a bit of hope actually um last question from me then yeah because it's so it's no surprise really to say that your work's nowhere near done <laughs> you outlined that so what do you hope to achieve in the future and uh, and how do you think young people can help change the world of climate activism and, and push forward so personally and i think from the youth climate ambassadors for wales side of things we really hope to just keep keep pushing like you said we don't want the momentum of cop to die down we want to keep talking to the welsh government keep talking to schools and businesses to you know force decision leaders to make actions and i think we want to you know we'll always have the goal of making climate action accessible and empowering young people because like we've been talking about you know the youth movement is huge and it's it's important um so we hope to continue that work you know we've got a lot of plans we still have our manifesto i wouldn't say that it's you know it's been completed you know it hasn't everything hasn't been solved your cop didn't achieve everything that we wanted it to so we're going to keep pushing for that and you know in a personal capacity i really do think that i'm at the beginning of my climate activism journey there's so much more to do there's so much more to learn and i'm actually really excited to you know go out and meet other climate activists and um, broaden my perspectives and i think in terms of you asked how can young people change the world of climate action firstly i think they already are <laughs> i think one of the reasons that climate like the climate crisis is on the top of so many you know countries and people's agendas is because of young people because we have the passion that i think a lot of decision makers lack and like i said when you see young people acting when you see them putting so much effort into things it really does make a difference so i would really urge every young person to not underestimate themselves i think we do have a we do have a tendency to underestimate the power we hold but i think if young people keep pushing if they stay true to their values they work together then we really are a big force and I even think that we can lead in the journey to combating climate change well I I just I love your optimism your enthusiasm <laughs> the commitment it's oh it has been, to be there <laughs> it's been a joy talking to you and um, thank you very much for agreeing thank to do the podcast with us it's been it's been fascinating and it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you for having me